0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Your host AJ Black, soon to be uh, joined by our my always my co host Eric Hopsis. Um, we're here, of course, to talk about beauty football. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week as the Eagles got their heads kicked in on Saturday. They lost 30 to 13 to Purdue, a game that was never really close after uh, Purdue um, jumped out to an early lead. It was marred by Lots of errors and you know, poor play by BC you know, along with uh qu- very questionable coaching uh by Steve Adazio and uh Scott Leffler on offense. Uh so we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. So uh joined as always is Eric Hospital just jumped in. Eric, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good, Adam. The question uh the question for you, AJ, is how you're doing uh with your little one. How many hours of sleep you get a night? One or two? <laughs>
1: Last night it was uh, we we it wasn't too too bad it was I slept from like eight thirty to midnight and then I was up with the baby from twelve to five I think and oh we because I'm off for paternity leave I slept from five to nine so I'm feeling pretty decent right now um but you know it's a challenge uh, he's he's pretty cranky in the middle of the night right now
0: well you got to have time it out to do it on like a Saturday night, so you can do the old Pac-12 after dark games and uh, get caught up on the West Coast action. That's the best.
1: Well, you know, I've been uh, falling behind on a lot of Netflix. I, I, I was starting really about like four years ago get into the Daredevil series, and just because oh. life had gotten busy, I had missed like all of the new Marvel ones that had come out. So I, I got pushed to life. I'm like, if I'm up with uh, with the baby, and I, you know, catch up on those. So you know, it won't all be lost time. So. I'm looking forward to watching those when I need it. So, Eric, uh, we watched the game on Saturday. It was painful to watch. It was bad football all around for Boston it was just Not as I wrote earlier on. the interruption. There wasn't really anything positive to take away from it. There, there was a play here and there, but all in all, the effort. It was hard to give a thumbs up to anything on that in that game. If you're looking at the game you know in terms of concerns of where BC fell apart you know it 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 went off the rails pretty quick we saw Anthony Brown you know throw all those interceptions BC was unable to move the ball the the, the conservative play calling Eric moving forward what is your biggest concern about this team
0: um well i i, I, I do agree the game was uh, ugly but uh like i like i had said uh on our show last week, I thought this game against Purdue was the toughest of their four games so far. Um, You know, I don't, I don't think the blowout loss represents how much tougher Purdue was than say Wake Forest, but you know, it was their toughest game. That being said, um, you know, two things kind of stood out to me um, and and it was both offensively. uh, One, I really thought that was a game the BCO line was going to dominate. Uh, I, I think I even said last week I thought it was one of those games where A.J. Dillon was going to roll up like 200, 250 yards on that Purdue front seven because, honestly, from anything you read or listen to, the Purdue front seven is supposed to be average at best and uh, probably below average at worst. They're not they're not that strong of a unit. So it, it did uh, – Concerned me that the BC offensive line couldn't just have their way with them. Um, you know, the, once the game got out of hand, BC had to pass. But part of the reason the game got out of hand was because in the first half, BC couldn't get anything going, and the offensive line just really had a subpar performance. And you know, the second thing uh, that I hope the coaches um, talk about with AJ Dillon is a, uh, it felt like he was trying to bounce every run outside for like a big play. And uh, just knowing what I know from Daz, I don't, I don't think he was calling, you know, sweeps and stretches the outside for Dylan all game. I think that was Dylan himself bouncing all those runs to the outside. So I am hope, hoping, uh, you know, the, the coaches can correct that a little with him. You know, it's, it's all right to bounce it sometimes, but, man, Dylan's a big, powerful guy, and sometimes he's just got to take it straight in between those tackles and muscle out four or five yards you know, that was kind of the beauty of him last year is uh, even on, like, his, quote, bad runs, they'd, he'd still get, like, four or five yards every time. So that's what I didn't see out of him on Saturday, and uh, th- those were probably the two biggest alarming things. Uh, when you watched the game, did, uh, did you have similar feelings, or was there another anything from the defense or special teams or anything that kind, kind of worried you from what you saw?
1: Well, I wanted to, I, I do have some other thoughts. I want to jump on the A.J. Allen thing because I think that's important to talk about. Um I, I totally agree with you. It was, he, I mean, he was running three to four yards horizontally before he would even hit the line of scrimmage. He wasn't attacking that defensive line. And it was very hard to watch because um, he's a physical guy. I think he was trying to do too much. It looked like, you know, a lot of AJ Dillon's r- big runs last year, you know, you think back to the Louisville game where those were sweet plays. So, you know, I think he was trying to, to play a little hero ball and football and try to, you know, you let his legs do everything instead of letting things come to him. So hopefully, you know, good players, they learn from their mistakes. They learn watching game film. Hopefully Daz and Leffler look at it with him and say, look, you know, you got to start running a little bit more north-south through the middle. You're a big guy. We have a good offensive line. Those plays will come to you, but you got to you gotta let it do, it do its thing. And we'll call those sweeps when we think it's, it's going to work. Because I think what we saw with Purdue – you know, if you watch schematically, what they were doing was they were pushing their linemen to the sides because they knew Dylan was just going to keep doing that, and he was, you know, just they were just gliding him outside and making easy tackles on him because he, you know, they were waiting for it. So I think that was a big thing to look at. Um, if you know, you're asking me about what the biggest concern moving forward was, I thought the team itself, the mental lapses, were a big issue for me. Um, there's just mistakes all over the place. I mean, we had Will Harris make a big interception that was nullified by uh, Zach Allen off sides. Uh, there was that interception in the end zone. Tommy Sweeney didn't even bother. He didn't look like he was given a whole effort to go after that. He, I mean, for a big guy, he should have he should have fought for that ball a little bit more. Um, you know, there were mistakes up and down. You know, obviously you had Anthony Brown. He just was off. I, I was surprised Daz didn't take him out earlier because I thought he just You know, there's games where quarterbacks are just not effective, and it was clear watching that that Anthony Brown needed to take a seat for a while and, you know, regroup for next game. Um, But I think those mental mistakes on both sides of the ball, those were the big things. Um, Looking at the Purdue game, I think looking at the defense itself, um, I thought there were opportunities in that game, and, you know, I thought the opportunities continued. I thought BC had a chance to get back into that pretty late into the third quarter. Um, You know, they were gifted a a, a touchdown on Rondell Moore's uh, touchdown catch. That was, I mean, he did a hometown call on that. He looked like he was down, but whatever. Um, And I, you know, David Blau, the quarterback from Purdue, I thought he ripped BC apart. I also wasn't really all that impressed him. I know the announcers were like blown, you know, they were going nuts over him, but I thought he just kept doing things that were, you know, he was thrown into bad coverage. He was, you know, sloppy with the football. And I thought if BC could have, you know, capitalized on something on defense, they could have come back into that game. Eric, you know, looking at that, was there anything positive that you saw, you know, could be something simple as Michael Walker on kick return or anything like that. Is there anything positive to take away from a a shit show like that?
0: Ah, not really there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm really struggling to find, uh, much of anything, I guess, I guess the one thing I did like is that, uh, uh, um, and this isn't, this is kind of just fluff stuff, but you know, I did hear Adazio's press conference on Monday and he kind of owned the loss. And, uh, uh, honestly, it's one of the first times here that, uh, I haven't seen one of his press conferences and he had all these excuses that he riled through about why, why the team didn't perform well. He just kind of owned it and said he has to coach him better and, uh kind of moved it along. So that was uh, that was interesting for me to see Adazio kind of take the blame on, on loss like that. So kind of refreshing in a way, too.
1: Yeah, it seems like, you know, obviously he does need to take a big chunk of the blame for how the team is prepared for that game. But he, you know, the credit to Daz, he has been doing the right things. Uh, this week I his press conference he was talking about, you know, the team's angry. They're hungry again. We got them refocused. You know, I thought he's been saying the right things. Um, now, we're on to Temple. I, you know, I, I think it's time to hit reset on where people are seeing this team, myself included. Um, today, I mean, this weekend's game probably isn't going to give us a lot of information because it's going to feel a lot like some of the other games. Temple is definitely better than UMass, but they also lost to Villanova. Um, they beat Maryland. They beat Tulsa. Tulsa's a dumpster fire. Um, so really, they're not, you, there's not much to take away from this game. Hopefully BC just goes in and beats them soundly. But it's going to take a while. I mean, if you if people have been paying attention, BC is obviously out of the top 25 now. But not only are they out of the top 25, they don't get any votes anymore. Um, that loss was that damaging to them. So it's going to take a while um, if they're going to really build it up. But I think there's a tendency in our fan base, and I'm guilty of it as well, to react to one game. Eric, what do you need to see this weekend to say, okay, Naz has fixed some of the problems. This looks like a better, you know, looking squad, and they look like they're ready to go on face NC State in two weeks.
0: Um, well, definitely. And, and one thing, just to piggyback on the not receiving votes, I I think it definitely was that performance on ESPN2 Saturday. And coupled with BC's, you know, most quality win this year now is a Wake Forest team that got absolutely steamrolled by Notre Dame on Saturday. Um, you know, Wake Wake to me looked horrible when BC played them. I thought they stunk and um, Notre Dame just rolled them up last week, kinda and just kind of furthering my view that Wake, Wake isn't isn't a good team this year, so... I mean, right now it's kind of back to square one with this BC team in a way um, that that they haven't they haven't beaten anyone good. And you know, as you said, Temple uh, kind of a I don't know. We'll call them decent, uh, decent non-power five opponent. Um, I don't know if you, if you ranked all the non-power five teams, I mean, they're probably in the top ten, top fifteen teams, and they knocked off Maryland. Uh, um uh, decent squad but really i'll feel good if bc kind of rolls them up 17 21 24 point win or more something in that range i mean bc should be able to run on these guys i I really want to see the bco line kind of reestablish their dominance because this is an opponent that they they should really run all over and uh if we see a situation like Purdue last weekend where the Temple front seven holds their own, uh, it's it's going to be a big cause for concern, but I, I really don't see that happening.
1: So I think the two things I would see, I, there's two big things I would see, especially on the offense, I think that will fix a lot of the problems that he had, and there's things that we've already talked about. I want to see Dylan, if he runs north to south and and hits three, four, five yards a run, that's going to put the play-action play, action play much in much better shape because they showed a stat during the game that it was BC was averaging seven and ten almost every down. I think it was like uh, their average third down starting was like uh, a third down to go, was like 9.8 yards or something like that. You're not going to get an offensive um, play action going if you're playing behind the eight ball every down. So if Dylan get the north to south running and keep the defense moving, and you know. That'll open up the play action, and I think that'll get Anthony Brown back on to rhythm, get the, the, um, the, the wide receivers and fans involved again, and hopefully that'll fix some of those issues. Um, you know, I, they show, I was listening to Meter and Cronin during um, halftime. The first half, we talked about this last week, and I have to, you know, chew some humble pie here. The first half, they threw the ball on first down one time, once. You can't do that. <laughs> I don't know what play call, like a, what in go, is going on in Destin Leffler's mind that think that's going to be effective. You gotta switch it up, and they started switching. It's just like every game, it's like they it's like a light dings in their head and they're like, oh yeah, shit, I can throw the ball on first down. And by that point, it was already too late because Dylan was completely out of um, out of the picture in that game. So I think you know. Hopefully, they're going to start to see it again and say, oh, we can throw it on first down. You know, this is the third game in a row that I'm hoping that this is going to happen, but we have a, a stubborn coach well, sometimes. That's not...
0: It is pretty, uh, you know, your point is pretty funny because in, in the, in the weight game, not just you, but there was a lot of people that were like, well, you know, they, they were setting it up for play action the second half and, I think to the people on the other side, like me, that that's that's the other part of the problem of that strategy is because if you get behind, it kind of takes away the surprise of the play-action game for the second half. So that's that's kind of why I thought it was absurd that uh, they were they were so run-heavy on first down against Wake in the first half and and were setting up for the second half. Because I mean, you gotta you gotta really be a cocky SOB to to think you're just gonna dominate the game and uh, and be able to do that. So. If BC if BC still thinks uh, that's the case, I hope I hope they got a wake up call um, against Purdue because that's exactly a scenario I could see happening against Clemson or something where where they're doing these runs on first down the whole first half to quote set up the play action in the second half and they just get too far behind where it doesn't even matter anymore. So that that that's my concern with that. But maybe they thought they could get away with it uh, against Purdue and if they did, they were wrong obviously. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Now, looking at Temple, you're talking a little bit more about the squad that we're looking ahead. Um, Temple, you know, they don't do anything that stands out. Like, you know, I think the big thing that you brought up with Purdue last week was, you know, this is a team that has a, a dynamic offense starting to show it. If you look at Temple, they're kind of middle of the road in everything, and their offense is awful. Their offense is 113th in the country and they're, you know, everything else is kind of around the 70s, so there's nothing that they do specifically well, and I haven't seen any news about it lately, but the last I heard was the starting quarterback is questionable for the game, so they might even be playing their backup quarterback if he's not ready to go. Um, You know, Eric, have you watched any Temple this year? I mean, honestly, I haven't watched a ton. I watched them lose to, to Villanova a little bit, but Have you seen anything, you know, do you have any thoughts about the team and how they play?
0: Yeah. I mean, I caught them in the Maryland game and, uh, um, they obviously looked awesome when they blew their doors off that game. But, um, they, they kind of caught Maryland in a good situation that day. Uh, Maryland was flying high off a big upset win over Texas. Um, and then, then they were playing temple. So total letdown game. And that's exactly what happened. um, but yeah, I, I think uh, like I said, you know, I, I think on the uh, difficulty scale, te- Temple's probably somewhere close to Wake Forest, uh, maybe a little below them. Uh, definitely better than than UMass and of course Holy Cross, but no better than no better than Wake Forest. So uh, again, at home, BC. I think the last I saw they were a 13-point favorite. Um, I, I think that's even a little low, I think. I think BC ought to beat these guys, like I said, by 17 to 21 points.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I think there's a you know, you got to have BC and Daz. I think one thing that he does well is he gets his team rallied. Um, you know, I think they'll be energized, and I think the whole the fan base hasn't put themselves off Gaston Hall yet, and, and they're ready to you know watch this game. It's, I think it's Parents' Weekend, if I remember correctly. So, I think the stadium should be packed to start of the game. You know, they'll all leave at halftime to go get dinner in the North End. But, um, you know, hopefully by that point, BC will have a good lead. Um, you know, as we move on, I, you know, there's not a lot to talk about with Temple. So let's talk a little bit about Daz um, before we move on to the, our last topic, which is kind of looking at the ECC. We're now into year six of Adazio. Um, you know, you mentioned last week that it's been kind of his trend to beat up on teams that he's covered against. And that was not the case on Saturday, obviously. Um, where, where do you think the administration is with him? And, uh, you know, what's going to happen to Daz if they fall apart? Do you think Martin Jarman is the type of administrator that will pull the trigger at the end of this year, if things aren't going the right way, you know, just, just your overall thoughts on this current administration, Eric.
0: Um, you know i i can't i can't really guess what what martin german's going to do i mean from my standpoint um you know the expectations are high this year adazio has a full roster of his guys um the acc is down this year very down i mean Cle- clemson's the only top, geez, maybe 15 team, especially now that Virginia Tech lost their quarterback. Um, Florida State is way down. Uh, Louisville is way down. NC State is NC State. Hughes is a little better than usual, but I mean, B- BC's Atlantic division is down compared to most years, uh, You know, aside from Clemson, obviously. So um, I mean, everything's lined up for Adazio right now you know, to, to succeed. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know, anything less I, – I don't know what your watermark would be where you'd be unhappy, but, I mean, I'd be pretty unhappy with uh, anything under nine wins, to be honest. I mean, an eight-and-four season looks nice on paper, but to me that's a way underachievement. Um, for for what this team should do this year, I, I saw someone on Twitter saying eight and four would be a great year, and I was like, maybe historically for BC in a vacuum, but not how everything's lined up right now. That's that's not a great year. Um, but you know, I, I still have high expectations for this team. I, I'm um, you know I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Adazio, as you might be able to tell, but um, I think last week was kind of a WTF game. A one-off. Yeah, I, I, I thought they should have won, you know, before the game, but they didn't, and it was a bad day. And they just move on. So hopefully, they 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 won one. Maybe they shouldn't later in the year. But I, my my expectations for the team haven't changed just because of the one game last weekend. You know, I still think that this is a nine ten win team, and I'm sticking with that unless uh, unless I really see a repeat of what I saw last weekend. Um, how about you, AJ? Did you, after the Purdue game, are you, are you changing your expectations for the year? And uh, I guess I'd be curious to know you, your viewpoint, too, what's kind of your low-water mark for Adazio where you're like, all right, I, I think we need a change if they don't get X number of wins.
1: Well, I, I think eight and four, as you said, would be a disappointment in what we've seen um, with their current schedule. You, you looked at what BC schedule looked like at the beginning of this year, and you're like, oh, crap, there's this whole chunk of, like, you got Miami and Virginia Tech and Louisville and Florida State, and you have this gauntlet of, of tough teams. And if season's played out, you're seeing a whole different story with what BC has. And other than Clemson, I mean, Syracuse hasn't played anyone, and I'm not – I will say it over and over again, I'm not buying on that team. Um got up, like, 600 yards to Western Michigan. Yay, they've up on UConn and – Wagner and some other garbage school. I forget which other school they played, but I, I'm not buying in on them. They play you, We'll do what they're really like when they play Clemson this weekend. Um, but looking at their schedule, you know, look at, you know, it's kind of leading what I was going to talk about. Virginia tech this weekend, they lost to old dominion and they lost their starting quarterback and starting cornerback um, who was thrown off the team and their quarterback broke his leg. So they're both out. Now you look at that game and all of a sudden a trip to Blacksburg isn't as scary as it was three weeks ago. You know, Jackson did a good job. Justin Jackson did a good job against BC last year. He's out. You know, what what are they going to do? And they, they're, they, you saw what it looked like against Old Dominion. They were not very impressive. So that's one game that was like, wow, Florida state, obviously the same thing. Um, that team is a mess. Their offensive line is awful. You know, they won last week. Um, in their game, but they're playing Louisville this week in a game of two teams that B.C. should easily beat. You know, I, I don't like seeing that two teams that have historically been good, but I don't see e- anything on either of those teams that say, hey, they're going to beat B.C. Those are two games, again, that they should win. Miami, you know, it's the home game. It's Friday night. B.C. plays well on Friday nights other than that Clemson game a couple years ago another team I think they can beat. So, I think you're right when you say three. They they're going to have another game where they play shit. It's it's going to happen. But if they can go out there and take care of business against some of these teams, 9 and 3 shouldn't be that that big of a of a, um, a, 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 a unreasonable risk for them to 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 do. Now, there's been tons of like I just mentioned the Virginia tech news. There's even more news today. I don't know if you caught it. So, In the last 24 hours, Wake Forest by the defensive coordinator um, after they let up, what, 56 points against Notre Dame. And today, Kelly Bryant, the starting quarterback for the last year at Clemson, announced he's going to transfer because Clemson went with uh, star uh, freshman Trevor Lawrence as their starting quarterback. What's interesting about the Clemson move, obviously Kelly Bryant, um, he's had success. He brought them to the playoffs. Lawrence looks like a, you know, a legit Heisman type quarterback when he, you know, matures a little bit. Um, But what I thought was really interesting is how that move is kind of shaped by the new transfer and redshirt policies, because Bryant is able to leave the school after playing a couple of games. And, you know, Dablo Swinney said, you know, right off the bat that Lawrence is going to be the starter. It gave Bryant the heads up to be like, okay, fine. I'm going to go transfer then because I can, and I'm not going to lose a year of eligibility. What do you think about this rule? Do you think it's going to really change, how, you know, how teams are handling position battles and handling, you know, recruits?
0: Maybe. I was I was actually su- surprised that Clemson made this switch so early in the year. Um, a lot of people speculated they were going to wait later in the year just for this reason because um, – cause now they're kind of screwed. If Lawrence goes down, they, they, they don't have uh, a reliable backup. So I I think a lot of people, they're
1: they're down four quarterbacks. I just saw since the beginning of the year that have transferred. So it's Lawrence and, you know, one other guy, I think.
0: Yeah. They're, they're in a really bad situation if something happens to Lawrence. So I, that, that's why, that's why I was really surprised because I thought they were just going to kind of slow play it with, uh, with, with Kelly the whole year, or so to kind of appease him and keep him happy, and then, you know, once they got to the uh, ACC title game or the playoff, they're just like, "All right, like Lawrence is our guy. We're rolling with this dude," um, and just for that reason, because it makes it so easy now for guys to just quit and be like, oh, I'm not starting. Okay, I'm gonna go somewhere else." And uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think I have a I don't think I have a strong opinion on it. On, I mean. The the one the one side obviously you know is uh, you know you, you commit to somewhere you should you should honor it but on the flip side I see these kids who knows what the coaches say to them and promise them and then and when it doesn't happen what are they supposed to do are they supposed to just keep their end of the promise if the coach didn't keep theirs so I don't know I I, I kind of feel bad for the players in that spot that were promised all these things so uh, yeah it's going to be interesting because I think you're going to see a lot of transfers. Like that, and I I still don't know how Jalen Hurts hasn't transferred from Alabama, but that's that's another one on the, on the radar that might happen too.
1: I don't think he's played that often, so he could probably just redshirt anyway and leave, if you know, in yeah. case something happens, to him, he can you know jump back in. But um, I, I saw a lot on Twitter, not a lot. I saw a couple of our BC followers reach reach out to us like, oh, what about coming to BC? I, I would throw my life savings that Kelly Bryant is not coming to B.C. Dazio has recruited. You know, he's got Anthony Brown coming back. He's got a couple kids this year. He's got a couple more next year. Um, you know, he's all about the process and, and building a program. Kelly Bryant Kelly Bryant would be what you've been, a lot of fans have been complaining about when we had Patrick Toll's and Tyler Murphy, those one-year flash in the pan. And he's not going to be interested in coming to B.C., you know, he want he's gonna I, he's gonna end up at a program, um, and I don't have a depth chart in front of me, but you know, a team like Oklahoma or um, Ohio State that maybe has a freshman coming in that needs an, a year of grooming, and they want to contend again next year. He's gonna be one of those guys, I would think. Um, any last thoughts on anything this week in sports, Eric?
0: No, nothing for me. Looking looking forward to seeing BC bounce back this weekend.
1: Yeah, definitely, uh, all of our our listeners, you know, we really appreciate all of you checking out our podcast. Make sure you recommend us to any of your BC friends, the people that like BC sports. Um, It means a lot. And also, it could, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure to like and give us a five star view and subscribe. It really helps um, drive uh, listenership to our podcast and get new new faces to listen to us. Um, And we really appreciate that. So if you could do that, that would be great. Um, as we finish up, let me just do some quick plugs. Um, don't forget you can follow us. Um, you can follow the site, at BC Interruption, on Twitter. Um, just as a warning, it's hockey week, so um, Eric and I will be fighting an uphill battle uh, with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of hockey talk. Um, but we'll do our best to make sure that the football talk's in there as well. Uh, but you can follow us at, at BC Interruption on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at BD Hysteria, and Eric at EG Hostess. Um, make sure you can follow us on Instagram at BC underscore interruption um, and Facebook uh, Facebook is just BC interruption. Um, and also last plug is Eric's barbecue company. Check him out on Instagram. He's making great food. You can check out where he's, you know, showing off his wares and set Hoffa BQ. Um, and make sure you follow that on Instagram. So as always, uh, I've been checking out my new mic. I hope it sounds good. I can't wait to check it out on the, uh, um, the playback. Uh, we'll be back again next week as we uh, talk, hopefully, about a, a big win over Temple and look ahead to NC State. Um, so, as always, have a good time this weekend if you're heading to the game. Um, always, you know, if you send us pictures, we'll we'll retweet them on Twitter. Um, my name's AJ Black. I'm here with Eric Hostas, and this is BC Radio. And, as always, go Eagles.